0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg
1: Page 112 so He's discussing how we serve Hashem through the attribute of Yaqab which is the attribute of Rahmanas. And if you realize the source of the Nashama, which comes from the essence of Hashem, as we explained last, as we discussed last class, as he explained, how the whole world is completely insignificant and nothing in comparison to Hashem, and the Nashama is rooted in the essence of Hashem. And this Neshama has taken the plunge has descended, taken the roller coaster into this world, into the physical, earthy, coarse, crass, materialistic body, into the materialistic world. So we're holding the middle of page 112. It follows.
0: It follows that there is extremely great cause to feel compassion for the spark which is a part of Hashem above that dwells in the dark and gloomy body, the height of the snake. For the body is liable to contract impurity by indulging in prohibited things, that derive from the three utterly impure Klippot and to become defiled by various lusts. May the merciful one spare us, involving things which, though permitted, derive from Klipponova.
1: One is, firstly, you can, you can become impure by doing things that are prohibited. And even if you do things that are permitted, but you do it with lust, and you do it with zest, and you do it with... You become defined by it, then that also contaminates the soul. And he says, Rahmanul Islam, God forbid, from becoming defiled by when the material experience, even though it's a kosher experience, but it could descend into something negative when you do it out of lust and you do it out of, without any higher purpose, without any higher sense then that experience turns into a negative experience that contaminates the soul. So if you take the soul, which comes from the essence of God, which completely transcends creation so much so that the world has no consequence in relation to Hashem's essence. You can't even say Hashem is above. There's no relationship. And this spark, this piece of the divine essence, comes into the body, and it has the potential to become contaminated. Not that, God forbid, it does become contaminated. Why? Because Hashem is watching out for us. On top of page 113, continue.
0: Not to Hashem serving the man as a shield and giving him strength and might to wage war with the body and its passions and to triumph over them.
1: Without Hashem's help, it wouldn't even be possible to overcome the lust and the powerful attraction that the material world has over us because it seems so natural to us. The ego is so natural to us. The material, the coarse, the crass seems so, we feel so at home, we feel so comfortable. Amazingly, because really it's inconsequential, there's no reality to it, it's all lies, there's no, there's not, no substance to it, it's all an illusion. It's an optical illusion. It's a, it's, a, it's a Madison Avenue hype. It's a dead end. There's no, there's no joy and there's no nachas and there's no pleasure. Anyone who reads Proverbs from King Solomon, you just see the... It, it's a dead end. It, it leads to heartache and to anguish. But nevertheless, it has such a powerful pull on us and it feels so good and it feels so natural that we would not have the strength to overcome it. Although our true nature and our true essence is really the opposite. Our true nature and true essence is... What's truly most natural to us is godliness and holiness and wholesomeness and goodness and kindness and selflessness and egolessness. But the power of the body is so powerful. The pull of the body is so powerful. The ego is so powerful that without Hashem's help, it will be impossible to overcome. The proof is because even with Hashem's help, how are we doing? (laughs) We can all speak for ourselves. Whether we have the strength to overcome and to win this battle, but at least with Hashem's help, we have a fighting chance.
0: Even when the body does not actually lust after physical pleasures, the very fact that it is so inclined points to its lowly fate, and it is within such a body that
1: the divine spark is obliged to spend its Even if practically you you overcome with Hashem's help, you overcome the body, but it's a constant struggle. The fact that that if you would lose, lower your guard for one moment the ego nature would, rev- would uh, triumph and, and restate itself and so the fact that any moment you can slip and you can slide and you can plunge into the abyss shows us how, well, how precarious our situation is what a rahmanas it is what a, how you have to have mercy and compassion and our neshamah that it's in place in such a precarious situation. Great Hasidic master once said, "In one moment you can lose your whole world. One moment, a person has a thought of idolatry, you lose your whole world. One one moment of ego, you can destroy everything. So you have to be in constant guard. It's so fragile. The situation is so tenuous." You have Rachmanus, is that the neshama is placed in such a in such a situation?
0: And this is the meaning of the continuation of the prayer, Master of our strength, Shield of our salvation. After extolling Hashem as the King who is exalted alone from the fourth and beseeching Him in His abundant mercies to have compassion on us, we continue with the above quoted phrases. With these words, we affirm that Hashem provides us with an encompassing light and power far transcending man's own puny powers that enables us to triumph over the body and its passions.
1: This is all part of the prayer that we say, Hashem is so transcendent, Hashem is so beyond. And we beseech Hashem and ask Him, please have Rahmanas in us. Look, look at the Rahmanas that's in us. And it's only because of Hashem's strength that He shields us and He protects us and gives us the strength to be able to overcome... Despite all odds, to be able to overcome this very powerful, powerful enemy. So, a person should never be overconfident. Don't dismiss and say, "Ah, it's no big deal." Especially in today's day and age, when it's overwhelming. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to escape. It's right in front of you, all around you. So, you you know, so the threat is very powerful. But with Hashem's help, we have the strength to overcome it. But the situation is a very precarious situation. So this only evokes the Rahmanas, the compassion that we can evoke in our soul, have rahmanis. and our tenuous situation, our difficult, almost impossible situation, what we're up against. And it's only because of Hashem's incredible strength Because of Hashem's incredible light, that we have a fighting chance. So it's you can have mercy and compassion on your own neshama. What your neshama has to go through, your neshama. This is uh, this is. It's not a walk in the park. It's not a picnic. It's a neshama. It's a very strenuous situation. A very stressful situation. Because any moment it could slip and slide and fall to the abyss. I'll never forget during the, in the riots in Crown Heights. So a lot of reporters were reporting about Crown Heights. And, and uh, also that the Crown Heights was a place where everyone was talking about Mashiach. And a Jewish reporter wrote he said her brother, stop being religious. When did it all start? So when he stopped believing in Mashiach, he stopped talking about Mashiach, stopped believing in Mashiach, and then he went downhill from there. You know, person goes to university, and the first thing he learns is, with biblical criticism, don't take the Torah literally, Scientific skepticism. Don't take God. Don't take miracles literally. Don't take God literally. And unfortunately, many people who went through went through the the experience have become completely cool and detached. The Yiddishkeit, the fervor and the passion that they had. The the, the vitality, the enthusiasm that they had for Yiddishkeit, completely cooled off, cooled down, and then it's impossible to really be a Jew. Because to be a Jew, you have to be so on fire, to be able to overcome all the challenges that we have. If you're not on fire, you don't even have a chance. You're ready. You're ready. You've already been decapitated. (laughs) You've already fallen into the abyss. It's only when you're on fire and you're connected with Hashem and you appreciate how Hashem's strength is giving you strength to overcome the challenges and you appreciate the challenges and the dangers. Instead of looking, oh, everything is wonderful. You don't realize the dangers that are lurking and how precarious our situation is, and how overwhelming it is, and we need with the daven to Hashem and with all our heart. And if you don't feel the rachmanas, if you don't feel the compassion for yourself, your godly soul, how tenuous the situation is now so fragile. And only with Hashem's help, Hashem's light, that's giving you the strength and the courage to overcome, and then if you don't have the Yaakov, if you don't have the attribute of Yaakov, you don't have that, that your heart is not into it, and you don't feel that rahmanas and you don't feel that appreciation, and then, then you've already lost the battle. You're not even in the game. You're not even in the arena. Then you become cold to everything. You become cold to Mashiach. You become cold to godliness. You're just going through the motions. All Yiddishkeit is half-hearted, fulfilling obligations, rote, like paying income taxes, like eating your spinach, it's a burden. There's no heart, there's no soul. Then it's a real Rahmat. That's the greatest Rahmat. You're doing yiddishkeit, You're observing. And yet you're cold like a fish. You're ice. Soulless, joyless, passionless. No sense of godliness, no sense of what this is all about. The journey of the soul, the experience of the soul, the challenges for the soul, the anguish of the soul, if you can't feel the anguish of your soul, what your neshama has to go through, this roller coaster ride into this world, and what it means for the neshama, and how, how traumatic it is for the neshama, then your Judaism is dead. Then you're already lost. You've already fallen to the abyss. The whole thing is external, mechanical, empty, soulless, meaningless. And Then it's a real nachmaz. You're ready doing all the mitzvot and yet you're so ice, cold-blooded, heartless. It means you're heartless. You're a heartless person. You have no sensitivity. Heartless, no compassion to your own neshama. What your own neshama is experiencing. This is why Jacob, Yaakov, is, is essential, critical to our service of Hashem. It's not just compassion for others. It's also compassion for our situation. Our own personal situation, our own personal experience, our reality, our life, our existence.
2: Now it is well known that there are two types of hope of Hashem and two types of love for Hashem. The first ones are born of an understanding and cognition of the greatness of Hashem and of those matters that lead to the love of Hashem and of the fear of Him, such as Hashem's closeness to the Jewish people. The latter ones are those that come afterwards from above as a gift. After one acquired a love and fear of God as a result of his own contemplation, he is then granted from above a heightened measure of love and fear. As explained elsewhere, in comment on the verse, I shall grant you your priestly service as a gift. This priesthood refers to the attribute of love.
1: There's two levels of love. One level of love is what a person produces through his mind. When your mind, through your awareness. When you learn, and you become educated, and you become aware, and you meditate and reflect, and you internalize, and you grasp, when you get, until it clicks with you, you get the idea of godliness, and the greatness of Hashem, and the reality of Hashem. Hashem becomes more than just some abstraction. I believe in God... End of story. It becomes a living reality. You appreciate the reality of Hashem, but there's no other reality but Hashem. And how Hashem creates the world each and every moment and the transcendence of Hashem and the vastness and the infinite greatness of Hashem. And it becomes a living, breathing reality to you until it produces an emotion that motivates you to change your behavior, to lead a Jewish life. So this is one level of love, and especially... Specifically, if you think about the personal relationship that the Jewish people have with Hashem. Hashem personally took us out of Egypt and personally gave us the Torah, spoke to each and every one of us individually, and personally guides our lives. If you open your life to the divine providence, your own personal life, and you see how Hashem is guiding you every step of the way, which you can't help but evoke a, a response, a reciprocal love to Hashem. So all of this comes from your mental awareness, engaging your mind thinking about it, meditating on it, reflecting on it, that's one level but that's limited it's the love is commensurate to your understanding, to the depth of your understanding, to the profundity of your understanding, the deeper the understanding, the deeper the awareness, the deeper the love that results but then Hashem comes along and Hashem gives us a gift a gift is not something that you earn not something you can demand a salary is something you can demand you work for it. you can expect if you put in the effort you 're going to get the reward it 's expected if you put in if you put in the time and you put in the effort and you develop the awareness you can expect that you will develop a love and a, a love and attraction towards hashem and towards godliness it becomes something alive for you, it becomes something real for you, something that you love something that you Appreciate. That's to be expected. A gift is something unexpected. You don't earn it. It's a gift. Otherwise, it's not a gift. If you earn it, it's, it's a reward. It's a gift. Hashem sees that a person is trying the best that he could and reaches the maximum that's humanly possible. Then Hashem comes and gives us a gift. And that's the gift. It says regarding the Kayin. The Kayin is one who loves Hashem. So it says, I will give you a gift. The service of the Kayin is a gift to you. So a gift is referring to the love that Hashem gives a Jew. This is a love that you cannot achieve on your own. It's not a humanly manufactured love. It's a divine love. It's a godly love. It's a level of egolessness that man cannot reach on their own. Because we are egos, we are trapped by our egos. Our ego mind could understand. It's almost like forcing yourself. You can force yourself to understand godliness. And therefore, even though it goes against your nature, you could force yourself to develop a feeling towards godliness. Which goes against your nature. Human nature is, we feel comfortable, and what feels natural to us is materialism, instant gratification, materialism, money, power, fame. To appreciate and to develop a sensitivity for godliness, for intangible things, for something that you can't see and can't hear, for godly things, and you get excited about studying Torah, and doing a mitzvah, and giving tzedakah, and being selfless and kind. This is not natural. But that's the power of the mind, that if you focus and you concentrate, you can develop a feeling. But it's manufactured, it's not natural. Then comes along, Hashem gives us a gift. And he gives us a love which feels completely natural. As natural as any materialistic thing that feels so we feel so at home, we feel so comfortable, it's so natural to us. And suddenly godliness becomes natural to us. Godliness to become natural to us. That's not humanly possible. Not humanly possible. It's not our experience. It's not our nature. The soul is in the body. That's our that's our platform can't pretend we don't have a body but when a Jew tries his hardest and climbs to Hashem climbs the ladder Hashem responds not in a commensurate way in a way that's way beyond our efforts that's why it's a gift it's way beyond our efforts He gives us a gift and He reveals, exposes from the depth of our soul exposes a level of godliness and suddenly it becomes the most natural thing in the world as powerful as, as any physical attraction imagine running to shul with the same, same enthusiasm as others run to Las Vegas it's difficult for us to imagine <laughs> that's even possible imagine running to learn, relishing to learn Torah and to do a mitzvah and to do an act of goodness and kindness with the same passion enthusiasm as someone else is running to sin this is a godly gift. This is not something that we accomplish on our own. Humanly achievable. It's not possible. It's not a mountain that you can climb. But when you've climbed, you've reached the peak of Mount Everest, you've climbed the highest, that is humanly possible. Hashem comes and gives you a gift.
2: This priesthood is to the attributes of love and it is likewise with regard to all i.e., there is a degree of
1: fear of Hashem that is likewise rendered as it is from... So also with fear and awe. There's an awe of Hashem that we can develop that we, through our meditation and reflection, although we can't see Hashem, but through tremendous focus and concentration, we can develop a sense of Hashem's presence. We can imagine Hashem is watching us. Imagine you had a cop with you 24-7. Right? Would a criminal uh, misbehave? Imagine you had a camcorder with you 24-7. It would be in our best behavior. <laughs> Someone is watching. But it's hard for us to imagine Hashem is watching us 24-7, is with us, is right in front of us. But you could develop a sense of Hashem's presence through our mind, through our awareness. Hashem is our soul. Our soul is there 24-7. Hashem is the soul of the world, Hashem is our soul, Hashem is within us, It's all around us. How much so, if we're we're worried about a stranger watching us, how much more so if Hashem is watching us, the King of Kings. It's possible, it's in the realm of possibility for us to develop a sense of fear, a sense of awe of Hashem's presence. But nevertheless, it's a struggle for us. It's not something that comes natural. But then when a person reaches the highest level that's humanly possible Hashem will give us a gift an awe that's totally beyond Alter Rebbe once said the author of the Tanya once said he says you know his colleague Rabbi Zushab Anapal who's commenting about his colleague he says he says Baruch Hashem he says Hashem gave me understanding I understand the highest levels the world of emanation and even beyond that the world of Keter and even beyond that the world of Adam Kadma and the primordial man and even beyond that the Tzimtzum and even beyond that the irons of the infinite light is beyond the Tzimtzum the highest highest levels imaginable but I don't have the same level of fear Rabzusha, Zusha my colleague Rabzusha Zusha was known he wasn't uh, he wasn't uh, relatively to Rav Levy like and Alter Rebbe he wasn't the greatest uh, scholar and that level, even though the Alter Rebbe said about him, he's the true scholar. Because one time, Rabbi Zusha saw that the, the Alter Rebbe and Rabbi Yitzhak Paditchev, they were learning partners and they were learning a very difficult tractate, a difficult passage in the Talmud. And for three days they were discussing it. And Rabbi Zusha says, why don't you tell me what's bothering you? Maybe I can help you. He said, you know, he said, no really, tell me, tell me, tell me, what the, tell me what's going on. Tell me what the difficulty is. So uh, it was, in the, it was on the, uh, an interpretation of my how my mother's interpreted a very difficult passage in the Talmud. So they told him, like, to, they told him. And Zusha went to a corner, and he starts crying. He says, "Rabbi HaShem, Zusha wants to taste the sweetness of taira. Please allow me to taste the sweetness of your taste. he's crying. And a while later, he comes and tells Altarev, you know, it's a pshat in the ramba, And they were like blown away. It was it was the correct pshat. It was the correct interpretation. But they've been struggling for three days. He got it. He said, how do you... I said, how do you come to this... With with <laughs> three days. We can't figure this out. And so you... He said, I'll tell you the truth. I, I, I went to a corner and I, I started crying. I said, Hashem, please, uh, I, Zusha wants to uh, taste the sweetness of your holy Torah. And my mother, appeared to me and he told me the Pshat. So that's what he said. The said, Rav Zusha is the real Torah scholar. Because when I say a Pshat, someone else says a Pshat. Either that is the Pshat or it's not the Pshat. Well, when Rav Zusha says a Pshat, the uh, Rambam himself is telling him, this is what I wrote, this is what I meant. You know, it's 100% authentic, you know. But he says Abzusha was known in his awe of Hashem was so real the sm- when he understands the smallest levels the s- smallest levels of godliness he already starts shaking I understand the loftiest deepest most profound levels and I don't have the same level of fear like Rabbi has. and as Al-Tarebi was saying this and complaining Al-Tarebi started shaking like a half hour he started shaking with fear and awe of Hashem so there's a level of awe which we can achieve, humanly achievable, but it's difficult. It's very difficult for us to be in a state of awe of Hashem because we, ha- we have our being, we have our existence, so we can't be in awe of Hashem. So it's limited what we can accomplish. al himself was complaining that he didn't reach the level of awe like Rabzusha, the smallest level he understands. He already achieves a full level of awe of Hashem versus to understand to have achieve a level of awe commensurate to your understanding of Hashem. But when a Jew does the best that he can, then Hashem gives you a gift. Al Tadev was complaining and Hashem gave him a gift. He started started trembling with awe of Hashem. It says when the uh used to daven, his sitters would shake his titties were shaking. In other words, the awe of Hashem that the Barsham had permeated, even, even the clothes that he was wearing started shaking. He was able to permeate everything around him with a sense of the presence of Hashem. This is a gift. This is not humanly achievable. So when a person achieves the most that's possible, then Hashem will make it that the sense, the presence of Hashem will become natural to us and become so palpable. And become so real. But this is a, a gift. It's not something we could demand. We do the best that we can. And who do you give a gift to? Someone you please. Who do you give a bonus to? Someone who yeah. does a good job. I'm not an obligator to give you. But you did such a good job. You pleased me so well. I'm going to give you. It's not a salary. You haven't earned this. But you, you're pleasing me. What you're doing is you're doing such a great job. I'm going to give you way beyond. That's a bonus, that's a present, that's a gift. So when a person does the best that he can, we please Hashem, Hashem responds and gives us way beyond. It's not commensurate to our effort, He gives us a gift. So these are the levels of awe and love of Hashem, which is a gift from Hashem. Some people Hashem gives gold and silver. Silver is love of Hashem, gold is awe of Hashem. But the ultimate gift is and we'll take the gold and silver also, but the ultimate gift is the ultimate gold and silver. L- love of Hashem, it's a divine love. Or of Hashem, but it's a divine o. That's That's the riches. That's Jewish riches. There's nothing more precious than that gift that Hashem gives us personally.
0: Now there is surely no comparison. Between the first ones, the lower levels of love and fear, which are the products of the created intellect, and the latter ones which are a gift from the Creator, blessed be his name. Just as there can be absolutely no comparison between creator and created, so too can there be no comparison between the love and fear generated by each of
1: these two levels. So he says he can compare a human love, human manufactured love, a human manufactured love, as great as it is. To our Mount Everest we climb the peak but it's limited there's a glass ceiling we can't get beyond that then we have a heavenly gift a divine gift that Hashem gives us you can't confuse it it says Rabbi Akiva one of the ten martyrs the ultimate martyr imagine a Jew is ready to sacrifice his life and he said all my life I've been waiting for this moment to be able to give up my life for Hashem, to show my dedication and my devotion and my total love for Hashem, and I'm ready to make the ultimate sacrifice just for the sake of the oneness of Hashem, the reality of Hashem. All my life, Rabbi Kiva says, I've been waiting for this moment. And the truth is, in a certain sense, every time we give up, we overcome an urge, an instinct. We desire to do something wrong and we overcome it for the sake of Hashem. In a way, that's a martyrdom. We're, we're martyring ourselves. We're giving up our personal pleasure and our momentary pleasure for the sake of the reality of Hashem. Rabbi Kiva says, all my life I've been waiting to make this ultimate sacrifice. And now, finally, the moment has come. So can you imagine a Jew, Rabbi Kiva was 120 years old, when he martyred himself. All his life, since the age of 40, since he became a Torah scholar, this last 80 years, all his life, he's been waiting for this moment. He's been living that type of life, a holy life. Now the moment comes, and he's ready to give up his life. Nevertheless, it says in Hasidus that that nullification before Hashem, it's still limited. It's still human. It's finite. It's not a total total egolessness. It's not a total nullification before Hashem because that's humanly impossible. No matter how high a person is, how refined and how much you strive and aspire and you meditate and you reflect and you become godly and selfless and kind and good, you're you're still stuck. We're still defined by our egos. But at that moment, when he martyred himself, it says Hashem reached out to him. And Hashem elevated him to the ultimate level of egolessness, to the ultimate level of selflessness, to the ultimate level of godliness, which is a divine gift. That he experienced a total level of, of egolessness and the true truly experienced godliness at that moment. But it was a gift from Hashem. Even Rabbi Kiva, with all his preparation for 80 years, and at that moment, and he's ready to give up his life and he's making the ultimate sacrifice. But nevertheless, we're still an ego, we're still a being, we're still a separate entity, an ego. So we cannot truly become completely nullified with Hashem. But at that moment, Hashem gave him and elevated him to the ultimate experience of awe, the ultimate, ultimate experience of egolessness, of complete nullification with our Hashem. And that's when he became completely godly. So you can't compare what a human being could accomplish, even the most well-meaning human being, and the most highly evolved human being, and the most highest levels of consciousness, and the most religious, and the most intense, and the most mystical, and the most spiritual, and kind, and good. You can't compare that to the level of awe and love that come directly, directly, directly from Hashem.
0: That is why it is these latter degrees of love and fear that are referred to as truth. But the seal of the Holy One, blessed be He, is truth. He is the truth which, in relation to him, all truth among created beings is considered as nothing.
1: So this answers his question he raised at the beginning of the letter. What does it mean that he's going to give Yaakov Emes? are going to give Yaakov Emes. Tite. you're going to give Emes. Yaakov is Emes. That's his attribute. That's his nature. The attribute of Yaakov is Emes. The answer is, because even our Emes, our truth is limited. Only Hashem is the ultimate truth. So even our truth, whatever we accomplish is limited. That's what Hasidah says. It says you should serve Hashem. You should love Hashem with all your heart. V'ahavta, you should love. ahafta if you turn the letters around, is ha'avos, the patriarchs. Because the three patriarchs symbolize the three loves. B'chol with all your heart, B'chol Nafshcha, with all your soul, B'chol Meidach, with everything that you have. B'chol refers to Avraham he loved Hashem with all his heart. B'chol Nafshcha is Yitzchak, he was ready to sacrifice his life for Hashem, he was the Akedah. And B'chol Meidach is Yaakov, who gave everything that he had to Hashem. B'chol Meidach means with everything that you have. And if you serve Hashem with everything that you have, you love Hashem with everything that you have, this evokes a response from within Hashem. But Hashem will also respond in kind. Hashem will also give, way, give you way beyond your limitation. Because B'chol means going beyond your limits. Ma'ot means very. B'chol means with everything that you have and beyond. The question is, it's very personal, it's very subjective. A human being is limited. Even when you serve Hashem with everything that you have, and you go beyond, it's still limited. How could you evoke a response from Hashem that's also unlimited? The Talmud questions why in the, first, in the first paragraph. In the first paragraph of uh, Shema, because you should love Hashem with all your heart, there it doesn't talk about you're going to gather the grain, you're going to gather the, uh, the wine, the uh, oil. In the second parasha it says you're going to gather the grain and the wine and the oil. So the Talmud says, because the first parasha, it says you love Hashem not only with all your heart and all your soul. It says you love Hashem with all your being. Therefore you're doing the will of Hashem and you're doing the will of Hashem. Or your work will be done for you automatically. You don't even have to lift your pinky. Your enemies will do the work for you. But in the second parasha, in the second parasha, where it doesn't say, it says you should love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul. You only love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul, but you don't love Hashem with all your being. You're not, going, you're not exceeding yourself. You're not going 101%. You're not pushing yourself beyond your limit. Therefore, you're not doing the will of Hashem. Therefore, you can going to have to work for a living. You're going to work hard for a living, but Hashem will bless your work. How can you evoke, do please Hashem that you evoke is infinite blessings. When you do something infinite, what do you do? What do you mean? How can a human being do something infinite? When you go beyond your limits, when you push yourself, you exceed yourself, you run that extra mile. The question is, you're still finite. You went that extra mile, for you it's a great accomplishment. You know, the couch potato for him to walk around the block is going the extra mile. It's not exactly, it's not exactly the Olympics, you're not exactly calling the press, calling a press conference. But for that person, it's the world. He went beyond his limits. Picked himself up and he walked around the block. It's a very personal thing. It's a very subjective thing. What's considered beyond your limits is very personal. So even when we go beyond our limits, it's limited. But as long as subjectively and personally, on your own level, whatever level you're at today, you're going beyond your limits. It's not enough you went beyond the limits yesterday. But today is a new day. Today you've grown accustomed. Now it's become your new habit, your new nature, so it's no big deal. It's no great struggle. Now you have to go the next mile. You have to constantly push the envelope. You have to constantly stretch yourself. You have to constantly challenge yourself. You have to constantly. By that, you're pleasing Hashem and you evoke the infinite blessings of Hashem. So Hashem responds in kind. But Hashem responds with what's truly an infinite blessing. Well, what we're doing is not truly infinite. We can't really call it emes. It's not really emes. It's, really it's human, it's limited, it's finite. Whatever we do, our best efforts ultimately is human and finite and limited. The only one that's truly unlimited is Hashem. So when Hashem gives us a level of awe and a level of love of Hashem, that's truly infinite. You can't compare that with the level of awe and, and love that we can achieve in our own, through our own intellect, our own comprehension, understanding, awareness, and which leads us to develop a love and awareness and appreciation of Hashem. You can't compare that to the gift that Hashem gives us, which is infinite. So that's why he says that Yaakov, even though Yaakov is Emes, but it's a limited MS, It's a limited human MS. Hashem will give us then the gift. Tite and liyakiv. Hashem will then give a gift and give Yaakov a gift that's truly infinite. That's truly a taste of the infinite. That's coming from Hashem. But now he's going to say, but in order to evoke that gift, you have to first do your MS. When you do what's humanly MS, what you do when you do your truth, When you are doing 100%, and not only 100%, 101%, when you push yourself to your limit and beyond, when you stretch and you go beyond your nature and you're pushing yourself, that will evoke from within Hashem a likewise response. Hashem will also give you, will meet you halfway, Hashem Hashem is interactive. When we reach our MS, then Hashem responds with His MS. Of course, His MS is truly MS. It's truly infinite. And the real thing. So we're like giving this fake coin. We're playing with Monopoly money with fake coins and Hashem is giving us real coins. But Hashem says, this is the best that you can do. So you do the best that you can do. As long as you're sincere. As long as you're doing it 100%. Wholeheartedly every fiber of your being, every bone in your body, and you're stretching, and you're pulling, and you're going, climbing, and you're doing the best, then I will, you will evoke that response that I will give you my best, my infinite, which is truly infinite, which is endless.
3: Since God is absolute truth, the love and fear that emanate from Him are deemed truth as well. But which is the way whereby a man can merit the loftier love and fear that are termed The, quote, truth of God is by arousing great compassion in God's eyes with a spark in his soul. This attribute of compassion is the attribute of Jacob who bolts from one end through to the other. That is, from the uppermost of all levels to the nethermost, causing the, quote, truth of God to flow to this lowly dark world. As it is written, when I, sit in dark, when I sit in darkness, God is a light unto me. And this is the meaning of the phrase, For his kindness has prevailed over us, i.e., God's kindness has prevailed over the darkness of this world, illuminating even that aspect of a man's soul that is clothed within his body.
1: So the way to evoke this response from Hashem, in order for Hashem to give us this gift of a love, of a divine love, a love that's beyond anything we can possibly accomplish on our own. A divine awe, an awe, an an awareness of the presence of Hashem is beyond anything that's humanly achievable. In order to achieve it, first we have to have the attribute of Yaakov, which is the attribute of mercy and compassion. By evoking the compassion in our soul, in our own personal situation, by truly assessing our situation correctly, that our neshama, our, we have a piece of the divine essence, the Jewish neshama that we have within us. We have a piece of Hashem inside us. And truly recognizing that this is a piece of Hashem who's transcendent, who's infinite, who's beyond all of the worlds and the whole frame of reference of the world. And that this neshama came into this body, took the plunge to this roller coaster into this body, into this concentration camp. And for the neshama, it's such a traumatic experience and it's such a trying experience and it's such a challenging experience because in any moment we could become contaminated and we can fall into the abyss lose our way, lose our path lose our divine connection and for the neshama that's so painful and when you evoke this feeling of rachmanis, of compassion for our neshama then this is something that's becomes very real to you to feel mercy and compassion for your neshama that means that your yiddishkeit is very real you've humanized it it's not something otherworldly abstract something heavenly you're talking about me my situation my reality in the here and now where I am my soul and the body what I have to deal with right now. My reality is, day-to-day reality is 24-7. And when you feel the Rahmanus and you feel the compassion and you have mercy on your neshama, and therefore when you have mercy on your neshama, it motivates you to take care of it, to protect it. When you have mercy and so on, it motivates you to do something about it. If you have a real feeling of empathy, a real feeling of compassion towards someone, you're going to do something about it. You roll up your sleeves what can I do to help this person so when you realize your situation and you feel it you feel it in your heart you feel the mercy just like I would have mercy on a stranger why, should, why am I less than a stranger when you realize you have mercy on yourself on your own situation you precarious situation and which leads you to action I'm going to do whatever I can to protect my neshama to make sure that my neshama has godly experiences to make sure that my neshama has the opportunity to study Torah, to do mitzvot, and to do tzedakah, and to do acts of goodness and kindness and selflessness, and to protect as much as I can to protect my neshama. So that's what he calls the attribute of Yaakov, which is our emes, human emes, as much as humanly possible. Because emes is absolute. Emes is beginning, middle, and end. It's, It's connecting to the root, to the source, and bringing it all the way down to our present situation, here and now, our human situation, our actual situation, my natural self, my real self, the way I am right now. So if you're able to make that link and able to make that connection from the root and the source and all the way to the earthy, human, daily existence, and you're able to connect the two and you're able to evoke that sense of mercy and compassion in your nashama, and therefore you're motivated to do whatever you can to protect your nashama, and to do whatever you can to shield it, just like a little baby a little child would you throw your child to the wolves you you have mercy and compassion whatever you can to protect the baby you want to make sure your children are not exposed to anything anything negative anything risky or dangerous or reckless so if you you have you have your own baby your own neshama why would I take my neshama and expose it to all these reckless and dangerous things that are so painful it's a, it's for the neshama, it's a holocaust. For the neshama, it's, 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 it's so painful. And I can do something and I can protect it and keep it safe and keep it sheltered by wrapping my neshama with Torah and mitzvot and good deeds. So then this becomes a reality. This permeates. This becomes my nature. This becomes my real self. It's not otherworldly. If you just approach Hashem with love... It's limited. Because ultimately you feel that this love is compartmentalized. It's a part of my life. I have my real life, but I also have, I have music, I have art, and I have my love for Hashem. It's an important part of my life, it's this, but you know, it's a part of my life. It's otherworldly, it's my, my angel, it's my better part, it's my better half, it's my better self. It's not really me. My grubby, earthy real me. Same thing is with O of Hashem. Avram is love, Isaac is the awe of Hashem. Again, it's also compartmental. It's a part of me that has a sense of the reality of Hashem. Okay, it hits a little more home than love, but still it's a part of me. It's otherworldly. It's this awe of Hashem, this divine awe of something that's not really me. Yaakov, however, is the most natural of all the patriarchs. That's why Yaakov was the perfect, most perfect of all the patriarchs. That's why he was the first Jewish family. All of his children were Jewish because Yaakov was the most natural. Yaakov, because Yaakov had the sense of Rachmanus. When you have the sense of Rahmanus, for your real situation, as you are, not this otherworldly, as you should be, as you ought to be, as you are, the real human condition, your neshama has plunged into this body, descended into this body, which is coarse and crass. And you live in a world which is even coarser and crasser. Especially today. And the Nishama, where did the Nishama come from? It's like the prince, the royal prince, ended up in some hick town. A bunch of hicks. Imagine the pain, how painful it is for the royal prince who's used to the palace, the finest, and here he is in the pits. A bunch of coarse, crass who are clueless who have no concept of any nobility of anything fine anything sensitive anything delicate anything deep profound real imagine the pain that the prince feels experiences every moment imagine the pain that the neshama feels every moment for the neshama to tell a lie it's painful for the neshama to speak slander for the neshama not to do a mitzvah to do a sin it's so painful it's a holocaust it's a concentration camp. worse worse pain imagined and this is what the neshama senses 24-7 so you get a sense for the reality when you have a sense for the reality of, the, of your situation you're not talking about something otherworldly something compartmentalized this becomes your reality and therefore it's most natural for you to want to protect to want to shelter what can I do? Let me help this, this inmate escape from the concentration camp. Let me help him, let me release him from his misery. Let me help him. Because every time the neshama studies Torah and does a mitzvah, it's like going back to the palace. You're relieving. A reprieve. Imagine if you had the opportunity to reprieve a, a Jew from the concentration camp, even for an hour a day, or a minute a day. Every time you do a mitzvah, every time you study Torah, every time you do anything good, a godly or divine. So This becomes something that's very real. It's not otherworldly. It's not something that's compartmentalized. It becomes you. It becomes your nature. And that's why all of Yaakov's children were Jewish. Because when Judaism is abstract and compartmentalized, okay, half of the children were Jewish and half of them uh, went off the deep end. Because it was too abstract. They couldn't compete with, with the real world. For Asa, the world was too, uh, was too uh, the pull of the world was too powerful. He couldn't compete with all the holiness and the love that he had for his father Isaac. That level of holiness, he couldn't live with that level of holiness. It wasn't him, it wasn't his nature. He couldn't overcome his raw nature, his powerful nature. And same thing with the It's just, it just the holiness of Avram didn't penetrate. But Yaakov, reaches all the way, reaches on the inside, and reaches all the way to the bottom. That's the nature of emmas. It's absolute, beginning, middle, and end. It's consistent. It's not compartmentalized. It touches the whole person. It touches your whole situation. This is our love of Hashem, b'chom b'oitcha, with all your being. It touches every fiber of your being. And beyond. So even though it's still limited, it's still personal and subjective, and it's still finite, but nevertheless, this is the closest that a human being can get to MS. This is our EmmaS. It's our truth. It, it's our absolute truth. When we are absolutely moved and touched to the core of our being, as best as humanly possible, that evokes Hashem's response. When Hashem sees that a Jew is serving Hashem 100% with the attribute of mercy that illuminates even his own darkness, from the highest to the lowest, consistently through and through, then Hashem responds in kind and Hashem gives a gift and gives the Jew a gift, a love, a divine love that he should experience and taste a divine level of love, which is not something we can accomplish in our own, ever. And a divine level of awe. Where Hashem's reality becomes so palpable to us and a divine level of love an ecstasy, a pleasure uh, which feels so natural that we can hardly even imagine what that's like. It's way beyond any love that we can accomplish on our own through religion, through mysticism. When Hashem sees that we're 100%, we're giving it our all, we're doing the best that we can and beyond, that evokes a response. In that way, it's commensurate. It's not really commensurate because we're finite. No matter what we do, it's still finite and limited. Or when Rabbi Akiva gave up his life, all his life, he's been waiting for this moment and the moment that he give up his life, as limited as it was, at that moment that he evoked the response from Hashem and Hashem gave him a level of love for Hashem, a level of selflessness and egolessness that's way beyond anything that any human being could possibly accomplish. And that's what he experienced in that moment. And his neshama went up became unified with the absolute unity of Hashem. And we can experience that in our own lives without giving up our lives by us evoking the, um, the uh, attribute of Yaakov in our own personal lives and evoking the sense of mercy and compassion of in neshama, which leads us to serve Hashem with every fiber of our being and every bone in our body. This evokes from within Hashem a gift, the emes of Hashem, which is truly emes, which is an infinite love that's way beyond. And that love is also permanent. Nothing human is permanent, because we're limited. It's like the, the, the problem we have with energy today. all our energy is limited, because the, it takes energy to put in to create energy, it takes energy. So since our energy is limited, the energy that, that it produces is also limited. We don't have the ability to produce a machine that keeps on going without the constant feeding it of energy. If they constantly burn energy, they, you know, they're dreaming about being able to tap into this energy fields that, you know, we can't see, we can't access. That will give us renewable and, and almost infinite amount of energy. That's like a divine gift. We don't have we don't have access to that. So when a love that we accomplish and we create, no matter how great, it's still limited. It has an expiration date. <laughs> it's not unlimited. A love that Hashem gives, that's permanent. Because Hashem is infinite. So when we do the best that we can and we evoke the response from Hashem and Hashem gives us His emes, but who does He give Emmas to? To Yaakov. When you do your Emmas, your compassion, Hashem will give Emmas. Then it's a divine endless, and that's something that will never, ever change. That's something that's eternal. Then it becomes permanent. Then godliness becomes natural to us. The most natural thing in the world. As natural as the ego is to us, imagine imagine godliness feeling just as natural. It's hard for us to even picture that. Same enthusiasm that people are running to Las Vegas. Imagine people will be running to Shul in the morning <laughs> to daven to learn. It would feel so natural to us to be godly and to want to do something godly, twenty-four-seven. It's hard for us to even picture. But this is a gift that Hashem gives. it's Like the story of Leviser he couldn't sleep the night of sukkah He couldn't sleep all night. He stood. He was up studying the tractate of sukkah couldn't wait till the morning for the opportunity to bench the lulav and the esric he was so excited so eager to bench the lulav and the esric that he he didn't even notice that the esric was behind the glass it was clear glass he was so eager that he put his hand to reach for the esric he was so excited he didn't even notice that his hand got all cut up was bleeding and he took the esring with the greatest fervor, took, shook the Lulu in the esring, until his beetle, the Zgabe, came in and saw the Rebbe is bleeding and the glass is smashed. He realized what happened. Could you imagine, is there any such materialistic pleasure and desire? Even when a person sins, I don't think he's smashing his hand at the glass. That he's in such ecstasy that he doesn't notice the glass. He's, he's, he's aware enough not to harm his hand. Could you imagine to have such a pleasure to do a mitzvah, to do something godly? That not only he couldn't sleep at night and was up all night studying the whole tractate of Sukkah, but he smashes glass, and not even notice it, not even notice that he's bleeding, he's all cut up. This is a gift from Hashem. This is uh, this is only this is a divine ex- level of love to experience a divine level of love for a human being to experience that level of love in this world. This is a gift from Hashem. But Hashem will only give you the gift, just like who do you give a gift to? Someone you're pleased with. You don't just give a gift to nobody for no reason. Gift is not something you earn, but you give it to someone who pleases you tremendously tremendously, and immensely. So who pleases Hashem? When you love Hashem with all your being, when you evoke the sense of compassion, when you have the attribute of Yaakov, and you reach your human emits, you, you give it your all, and you go all out, and you push yourself, you go 101%, this, this pleases Hashem, and then it evokes a response within Hashem, and Hashem will then give us a gift, this level of love, this level of love. This class
0: is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.